Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to the premiere episode of the Two-Footed Tackle Podcast. I am your uh, first host, James. I followed up with my co-host, Julio, who will now introduce himself. Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm Julio, uh, a.k.a. Juelo, a.k.a. Jules, whatever. Um, Jules? You can call me whatever you want. Yeah, I've had a couple of people call me Jules. Huh. You take your pick. Yeah, welcome. I like the I like I like what you did there with the little intro premiere. You know, catches Thank the you. spirit, Thank you. catches the mood of the podcast. Uh, either that or uh, debuting for the club. Two very good words <laughs> to choose from. Uh, very good vocab, James. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Like uh, my co-host mentioned, this is our very first episode, maybe episode zero. It's an introduction to our podcast, um, where you know we'll be talking about all things football and soccer. Football, soccer, soccer, football. Interchangeable. Don't add us, please. Or add us. You know, I could, uh, you know, we do have a Twitter that you can officially add us at. Oh, what's that Twitter, James? So if you at two tackle, very simple, very plain. If you found a uh, profile picture of a father two foot and his very small son, you have found us. You're at the right place. And hopefully we will change that soon. <laughs> it's just a it's just a placeholder for now. It's that a placeholder. Definitely not be our uh, official profile picture, but you know, time constraints and it, uh, yeah. And if you want to already shit talk us after this episode, you have a place to do it now. Oh yes. So that's we very you. easy to reach. Yeah, easily. Like we mentioned, this is um this is gonna be a podcast mainly about uh, you know all things football and soccer, uh, not just in uh, my favorite league, England, but all over the world. Uh, we hope to reach a, a large crowd, um, you know, and we hope to talk about some of the, you know, quote-unquote smaller leagues, you know, some of the, the ones that you don't hear very much about, um, you know, the ones that um, we keep up with over here, the MLS, League MX, um, you know, down in Mexico, maybe even some leagues in South America. Uh, but, yeah, we just wanted to get Whoa. a good, wholesome view of the world of football. Absolutely, we're two very wholesome boys talking about some soccer. Wholesome boys, yeah. <laughs> um, so we are recording this during a, a pandemic, uh, so we have very little to talk about right now. Um, of course, leagues are back. Uh, you know, um, the Premier League is the the one that everyone kind of talks about nowadays since the Bundesliga is over. Spain's still going. Uh, Italy's still going. And I think the MLS is trying to get back on its feet with using some sort of tournament style, I think, type of thing. Yeah, it's a very uh, loose tournament. And if you follow the NBA, it's a very similar style of tournament. Both at Disney World. Uh, yep, both at Disney World. The World of Sports, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, some of the stuff that I've been seeing from that MLS restart has been kind of uh, kind of concerning, right? Yeah, I mean, there's those uh, pictures floating around if you follow some of the other uh, professional players in MLS on Twitter of them posting their box lunches, which is uh, pretty sad to see when uh, those guys are paying like 60, 70 bucks for a ham sandwich and a banana. But Yeah, and they're also like oh, professional well. athletes. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of, that, that kind of goes to show the way they're uh, maybe like treating their players over there. But very weird situation. I think there was supposed to be a game this weekend. Or, uh, if not soon, I think it was like the Whitecaps and someone else, but it got postponed due to a number of players testing positive for coronavirus. 
Yeah, I think we're just going to be seeing more and more cases like that because MLS has been getting back to training a little bit slower than most. It was a little bit later in the year, so they've got to go in through that phase that a lot of other clubs in Europe have uh, been dealing with so far. They just got to get through all the cases and see who's testing positive and wait the two weeks. It's a little lengthy of a process, but before long they're going to get into their season. We'll see uh, what these guys got. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be keeping up with it uh, no matter how kind of janky it gets. But uh, like I mentioned, that's kind of the, the purpose of this podcast. And, um, you know, this very first episode is kind of in, to introduce you all to who we are, uh, you know, uh, the clubs we support um, and just some of our, our thoughts and opinions. You want to you wanna start it off there, Hamas? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, for me personally, I've uh, followed a couple different podcasts and I just thought that this would be nice for... The two of us, uh, two lads who are over in Western North Carolina, we don't really get many uh, opportunities to talk about the sport that we love, and it's nice that we have a place to where we can actually sit down and have conversations, and hopefully we can build that uh, that fan base who can join us on these conversations. Yeah, exactly. That was a that that's actually a very good way of putting it. You know, we don't get to talk about a lot of these things with anyone else. You know, no, and definitely uh, not. Like, uh, James, you work in, um, you know, like the sports industry, um, and you still maybe find yourself in situations where people aren't the biggest fans of, of soccer, you know, have the, the normal gripes with it that everyone else does. It's a slow game, blah, blah, blah. Um, I know I personally don't get a lot of chances to talk about uh, anything soccer-related with most of the people around me, but, you know, even when I do, it's like, I don't know, it's a, it's, it's good conversation, but... You know, the, we want to go way more into depth with, uh, you know, a lot more other teams than, than maybe the teams that we support, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me personally, I've been working in college athletics the past couple of years since I graduated from uh, Western Carolina University. Go Cats. Go Cats. Um, it's kind of interesting to see the different perspective of uh, all these people in the industry. Many, many of these people don't necessarily like soccer, and it's... You get a hands-on experience, at least for me personally, of uh, working in college soccer and helping like run some of these tournaments and games. But a lot of people in the industry, at least in here in the United States, like soccer is not very, very well looked at because college soccer is kind of an interesting monster in and in on its own. Excuse me, but you know sometimes I get to talk to my coworkers about it. Sometimes they like it. Sometimes they don't. It's uh, interesting line to balance and it usually ends up just transferring over to talking about college football or basketball or what have you so it's nice that we finally have a platform that we can actually talk about this stuff for once yeah and hopefully you guys can enjoy our you know thoughts and all of our stupid stuff that we want to say sometimes um about our hot takes yeah our hot takes uh about the world of soccer and everything so um, yeah, like you mentioned, it's it's nice to have a platform to do that, and we hope that you'll be able to follow us throughout this uh, this weird journey that we're going to go on. Weird it may be, but a very happy journey. It'll be I'm good. To I'm take excited. Of. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. So what kind of uh? Well, I already know this, but for you know, for for the first time listeners, what kind of what clubs do you support, Hamas? Okay, so let me just. Uh, peel the band-aid slowly off, but I'm your very typical American fan who has loved Manchester United for as long as I've watched soccer. And I know okay, that's okay, very okay, stereotypical. Okay. I know. 
We've we've done the damage. Let me explain myself. Okay. So, okay. as a as a kid who's grown up, as I said, in Western North Carolina, soccer is very very small. It's almost frowned upon, at least where I grew up. So I had like little to no exposure of the sport until one day I happened to flip through TV one day when I was in high school and happened to run across an FA Cup match in 2012 between the Manchester United and West Ham United. Now this was one of the last uh, seasons with Fergie, and uh, this is a very <laughs> this is my very first exposure to professional soccer, and uh, I believe <clears throat> that James Collins was actually debuting this game. And by the time like I got into the game, it was 2-1. 2-1 West Ham? Yeah, 2-1 West Ham. James Collins had, had scored both goals, and Manu had one goal. And I know we talked a little bit earlier before we started the recording, but Tom Cleverly was Tom the one goal for Manchester Cleverly. United. I know, what a blast from the past. Everybody Hell forgets yeah, about bro. Tom Cleverly. My man at Watford now. Probably about Good to get relegated. <laughs> the Hornets boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Robin Van Persie came on late, and a beautiful cross from Ryan Giggs comes into the box, and Robin Van Persie scores it with his left foot. I mean, it's very storybook ending for any of those uh, people out there who've seen this time and time again with him. But this is my very first exposure to it, and I have never heard so much booing before in my entire life. But I was, I was almost mesmerized as soon as that goal went in, and I couldn't help but like cheer myself. And I knew at that moment that I was officially a Man U fan. That's a dope story. I like, uh, I like that because, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a Manchester City fan. Um, oh yes, and. At least the first – I can't remember the first game that I watched City play in. But I know it was after the takeover. Um, and I just – it was it was just like, you know, similar to how you watched uh, RVP, um, you know, slam that goal in. Uh, Sergio Aguero kind of did the same thing for me. Like I, like I just said, I don't – I'm not going to sit here and, like, try to remember the game because I can't. I don't even know who they were playing. But I just was watching – that little Argentinian man zip around and <laughs> Good old I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of my team, you know? And yeah, I have like no connection to Manchester at all. Um, you know, there's no American players that play over there. It was just, Oh, uh, oh hold on. Hold on. You forgot about mixed discarude. Oh my God. He's on the team, right? Uh, technically on the technicality, <laughs> I'll give you that one on the technicality. Uh, he's there. He's, he's never played a minute for City, um, but yeah, that's I. I just uh, it's nice that you have that kind of like a story to to go with that. You know, the first time you watched Manchester United play. Yeah, that uh, that shit got ingrained into my brain. Brain in my brain. Right in my mind, brain. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's our two uh, main teams. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I think we also both support the U.S. national team, which uh, we'll talk about that too. But, you know, for me, um, I was born in El Salvador. So uh, soccer was like the big thing over there. You know, my, my dad watched it. My uncles, uh, him and my uncles had this rivalry because my dad was always an Alianza fan, which is um, the best team in El Salvador, although that's not Hell saying yeah. much. Uh, <laughs> I still love them, though. And I remember my uncles were um, Aguila fans. Uh, and they had like a super heated rivalry between the two of them, so it was always 
uh, fun to watch them like cuss each other out about uh, game of soccer. And um, yeah, so I follow the Salvadoran national team. They're not good. Uh, they're not doing too hot. Um, they oh, haven't no. made a World Cup in a while. I probably should have looked it up before I came here, but it's been a hot minute. Um, but you know, you always got to support the home team. Oh, for sure. I can't. I, think, I can't not support my boys. I think, if memory serves, I think El Salvador has the record for the worst goal spread in a single game in a World Cup game. Yeah, cool. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, just uh, some trivia out there. I think it was like twelve <laughs> zero. Yep, at the hands of Hungary. Oh no! It wasn't even a good team. That's the saddest part about that. Oh, uh, was this Hungary back in their heyday? Uh, it probably. Yeah, actually, yeah. Now that I think about it, it probably was. I'm sure someone will let us know down in the comments. <laughs> down in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I mentioned, uh, we're we're both big supporters of the U.S. national team right now, as well. Uh, but they're also not doing too hot. Well, uh, they're in a bit of a rebuild, and those are always interesting at the national level because you can't necessarily, at like at the club level, you can go out and pick out players like, oh, I'm going to buy this guy, this guy, and this guy. It's like you've got to wait for it to naturally happen and see what kind of guys come through the ranks, who's coming through MLS, who's coming through the other leagues, who's you know building up a reputation, who's starting, who's playing consistently, who's on the rise. It's, it's a very fickle beast, especially for the national teams. Yeah, and I would say it, it just that just takes a lot longer for the U.S. team, you know, to to find players that really rise and that can fill the positions that you know a lot of the veteran players have left behind. Uh, you know, the other day we were talking about um, T. Howe, Tim Howard, Secretary right? of Defense, the Secretary of Defense, a very fine keeper, played in played over in England for a couple of years. Um, unfortunately, unfinished his career with the Colorado Rapids. Oof. Uh, when I probably think he should have just maybe retired but uh it's filling it's filling holes like that that i think at least for the u.s it takes a lot longer to find and to fill than you know other nations yeah and i think we were very spoiled for a while in terms of goalkeepers because even if t howe wasn't starting we still had brad guzon back in the day was you know really good i mean he's still good now for atlanta but i mean right now we're definitely on a downturn for keepers i mean we have zach stefan out there Ethan Horfath comes to mind as well, but he's having issues starting in Belgium. But, you know, it's a, it's a process. Yeah, and even Zach Steffen, you know, he, he's actually a, a city player, um, uh, which he might ride the bench next season, I'm hearing. Uh, you know, Claudio Bravo's out. Uh, so, you know, we need a keeper for, I guess, like the FA Cup or something like that. So we might keep him around, but uh, I know this past season he spent it out at Dusseldorf, and uh, they didn't do too hot this season. Well, at least he's able to shine a little bit, like some of those players that are the outliers at Düsseldorf. But it's a, it's a, it's a place for him to start. Yeah, I'm just glad he's getting game time. Oh, he's definitely getting game time for sure. So, uh, just to kind of touch on the national team, kind of like how we touched on our our main clubs we like to follow. What was the, like your first kind of exposure to the national team? Do you remember? I actually didn't start watching the U.S. national team until. Actually no, okay. I I guess it has been a while. The uh, the twenty ten World Cup, South Africa. Ooh, that was a good cup. I think you know everyone watches the World Cup. That was still mm-hmm. when I, to be honest, that was still when I wasn't that big of a a, a football fan in general. Yeah. Um, but you know, th- that time 
what we were in <laughs> we were in high school right yeah yeah, yeah we sure. were in high school we were home for the summer i couldn't drive anywhere because i have a car so of course i just watched the the world cup with uh with my brother and that was the year that what uh we beat algeria in the group stages pretty mm-hmm. late on yep and uh i mean that was the same was that the belgium game too no, Belgium was in the 2014 World Cup. Belgium was 2014. Okay, mm. yeah. So that was my kind of first experience with it. I remember Landon Donovan. You know, all the big players that come to mind when you think of American soccer. You know. Yeah, it was kind of like a golden generation in a sense, at least from yeah. what we well, what we've seen. Yeah, from from a U.S. perspective, definitely what we would consider a golden generation. You know, you had a lot of experienced uh, players that were like up to the task of of playing in that world cup um and kind of the same thing in 2014 too um but i remember that i mean even after the world cup it's not like i kept up with the u.s national team as much as i do now but i do remember that was definitely my my first experience with them uh you know watching them play in the group stages Um, yeah that that 2010 world cup was uh one of the better ones in my memory I remember I was following the Japanese national team too, which I have taken a, a small liking to because I've loved players like uh, Shinji Kagawa and Keisuke Honda. But um, that was a good World Cup. I think my first real exposure was probably after that World Cup, just following friendlies. And that 2014 World Cup was definitely a big one because I remember we watched a lot of those games together. And watching <laughs> Tim Howard stand on his head and make all those saves against Belgium. And able to escape the group of death, which I'm having a hard time kind of remembering who was all in there. I think I was about Germany to say, that was, was in there. That was also the year that we we made it out of the of the group of death. Uh, it was like Portugal, us, Germany, oh, yeah. Ghana. Ghana was the last one. And Ghana, yeah, and and we made it. I think it took us until the very last game when we faced Ghana that we got that spot. And I, I think, think we took out Portugal. Yeah, I remember we were actually we're about to beat Portugal, and then, of course, uh, Ronaldo had to turn his head around and score a last-minute equalizer. We had already secured our spot, but he kind of gave him that third-place spot for a playoff, if I remember, to get into the knockout stages. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then that was even another sort of those... You know, in that squad, they were... It was a very... I think it was very heavily older players... You know, I don't remember that squad being that young. I think the biggest standout young player from that squad, from my memory, was Julian Green. Yeah. Oh but I mean, God, like, Julian T. Howe's in the squad, Brad Gazan, Clint Dempsey was the, the head man up top. Yeah, oh definitely remember that. Jermaine Jones held down the midfield position. Good old Jones. He had that absolute scorcher against Ghana. Oh, yeah. And then you got, like, guys, like, I'm looking it up now. You know, you got... I mean, even at that time, even though this was six years ago now, these were, I mean, guys in their prime, you know, a little bit older, maybe late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, you had um, Josie Altidore, who was actually pretty good back uh, then. Jeff I think Cameron. that was when he was still playing in the uh, Eredivisie. Yeah, I think so. You got, I mean, you had Graham Zuzi and Chris Wondolowski. Like, you had a lot of older players holding down that team. Uh, I just remember Jose. Jose, like Jose Mourinho. Jose Altidore was definitely like one of the biggest uh, reasons we made it out of the hex and into that qualifying for that cup because I remember watching all those matches because that was when he was just an absolute goal-scoring wizard. He was a tank, that, man. He was very like Lukaku-esque. 
Yeah, it was very Lukaku-esque. I mean, like, he was, I'm pretty sure he finished as a top goal scorer in the Eredivisie that year and got AZ the title in the Eredivisie, maybe for the first time in who knows how long for them, beating uh, teams like Ajax and PSV and Feyenoord out of the league title that year. And, like, he was practically unstoppable. And then he went to the World Cup, and then it got him that move to Sunderland, which, in hindsight, probably was not the best, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean... You come off of having one of the one, one a really spectacular World Cup, and you know you have a chance to go play in England for a Sunderland team that is not the Sunderland team that they are now. No. Um, you know they were actually up and staying in in the top flight, but you know I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything that would like deter him from making that move back then. I definitely understand. Yeah, and it's just in hindsight, I probably would have recommended he stay in the Eredivisie or go to, like, the Bundesliga or something like that. Probably would have been more uh, better for his talents in the way he that he, that he plays. But, you yeah. know, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And now, like you mentioned, we're uh, definitely in a, in a rebuilding stage. We've gone through a couple coaches after uh, good old Klinsmann. Um, and... But now we have, I, I think we have a fresh batch of players coming in. I mean, obviously, you, I mean, you can't stop talking about Christian Pulisic. Yeah, for sure. And what what he's doing at Chelsea, you know, getting all these, especially now after the restart, Pulisic has been one of the best players uh, playing in England after this restart. You know, yeah, he's, he's been tearing it up. Hands down, he wins penalties, he drives, he, he can play a pass, he has touch, everything. He has it made, and I think he's a perfect fit for that. Chelsea side that is also, you know, was also kind of rebuilding under Frank Lampard, um, but now they have hella talent coming in. So you got to think about what what he's going to be able to achieve with, you know, the rest of uh, like a really really good squad. Not saying that they don't have a good squad now, but I mean, you talk like Timo Werner and, and Zayat coming in, that'll, I think, a give him competition for his spot and b maybe like you know bring bring him up a level. You know, have everyone play up to his level or you know the whole team is elevated at that point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the incoming talent that they have coming in, like you're just further having your guys compete for their spots, and they're just going to become that much better. I mean, we could probably see a lot of those guys, especially the younger kids from the academy, really come up and start showing showing their talents. I mean, they already have this year, but you throw in guys like Timo Werner and Zayek into that team, I mean, Zayek can play on the wing or in the midfield. Like, he's... A very viable threat. We'll have to see how he plays in the Premier League, though. Yeah. Same with Werner, too. Yeah, I think uh, I think Zayek will get along with it uh, a lot easier than Werner. Um, you know, he's he's a little older. He's had Champions League experience. I mean, both of them have um, Champions League experience. But I think Zayek will just play it a little better based on his experience. Werner might have a little bit of a, a rough start at the get-go. Um, you know, Chelsea haven't had the best record at signing strikers, you know, after they got, <laughs> after let go of, you know, Diego Costa. No but, um, you know, uh, I think he's definitely up for it. He's young. Uh, even if he takes a little bit, it's not like you're going to, you only have like two or three years left on him. You know, he's just about to start his prime. So definitely a fight for more spots. And I mean, exactly what you need in a side like a young side like Chelsea. Yeah, for sure. And exactly uh, what you need for the the U.S. national team too, someone that can bring in that sort of intensity and experience, and and can have a go, you know, isn't afraid to show his confidence on the field because, um, I mean that's one that's been one big thing that's been lacking from the U.S. 
team. It's like just confidence, you know, very lost directionally with players, with formations, with coaches. You know, you need those right players to come in and, and kind of encourage everyone else. And I think Pulisic is definitely one of those guys. Another one, maybe McKinney. Yeah, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams comes to mind. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin can still be that leader that they need because he's getting a little bit older, but he's still within that range of playing in the upcoming World Cup, maybe even the next. We'll have to see. But yeah, there's definitely solid. guys who have leadership qualities. Yeah, yeah. And the, the good thing about all of those guys is that they're all getting solid playing time wherever they're playing. Yeah, for sure. We'll just have to see the situation at Schalke and what Weston McKinney is going to do. And, of course, Tyler Adams is, you know, trying to break into that squad over there at Leipzig, which is an interesting interesting ground to break Super in. T- and, like, and, like, have those kind of guys that surround him, it'll be interesting to see his development as well. Yeah, it's super tough to break into that RB Leipzig team, and he's also had some injury problems after he started playing for them too. So I don't think he's gotten really going with them, but in the games that I have seen early on when he first made his move, he was he's on it, man. He can he can pick up the ball, he can drive in, um, he can play a pass. Weston McKinney, I think, is the one that can stay in the backfield in front of that back four or whatever you want to play, however many defenders you want to throw in back there. But, yeah, having those little pieces, you know, and just building around them. But again, it's kind of like who, you know, and it, it takes a while for us to find those right pieces in, in the U.S. team. Yeah, and it's just going to take some time as well just because of, uh, you know, there's no friendlies playing right now, so we can't really see all these guys together very much. I mean, we've seen, what, one game live together when they came to Chattanooga and they played, uh, was it Jamaica, I think it was? Yeah, they played Jamaica. Oh, oh my God, it was cold as fuck. You remember that? It, it was cold as fuck. But a game I would uh, watch over all over again. I mean, Jordan Morris with the goal winner, that was that was fun. And a little bit of trivia for us, that definitely was not our first time at that Chattanooga football stadium either. Uh, Do you remember the other time? Hmm. Oh, you were working with Asheville. Yeah, yeah you were working with, with Asheville. Uh, Asheville. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was teaching drums in, uh, in where? Dalton, Georgia. Yeah, and uh, I know we had to drive a while, but I was on staff at uh, Asheville City. Shout out to the Blues. Um, yeah, shout out to the home team. Intern. Shout out to the home team. Uh, we were playing the very first Blue Ridge Derby at Chattanooga. We got that, we got stomped, but that was, it was, that was it was a wonderful experience to go to. Otherwise, that was, that was rough, man. That was very rough. No, wait, didn't we didn't we see the U.S. National team first, and then we, and then we did the Chattanooga, or and then we did the Asheville City. Mm-mm, it was the other way around. It was very uh, shortly after one another because that Blue Ridge Derby was the uh, was over the summer, and then we went close to around Christmas time. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That was a very tough game to watch, but I got in for free, so yeah, it was nice. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. I got you, bro. But uh, this is kind of segue into that, too. I mean, Chattanooga's got a very good team over there as well, Chattanooga FC. And they are playing in a new league, which I'm not even sure if they were even able to start before the pandemic started. But uh, shout-out to Chattanooga FC as well. Shout-out to local grassroots soccer, man. Yeah, Asheville City uh, SC. This is, um, that's where I'm based out of right now. I, I live in Asheville. Um, this team is, I mean, still very young. Uh, you know, they, they have a women's team set up, which is great. 
Um, they're starting to get their youth stuff set up, um, which is also great. But could you, I mean, I don't really know the breakdown of it, but could you explain where they fall in the very whack pyramid that is American soccer? Um, well, first of all, there's not really much of a pyramid to begin with. It's just kind of like a, like a totem pole almost. Like a, um, like a block. Of course, you got MLS up at the very tippy top. Mm-hmm. And then followed down, you have the USL and kind of like the pyramid structure that they've started with their USL championship where they have teams like the Richmond Kickers. I believe they're in the championship. Uh, you got like Louisville City, which is going to be an MLS team in the next couple of years. And you've got the League One and a League Two structure, and they don't have a promotion relegation system in right now. But after all that, you have the MPSL. And of course, there's other leagues kind of scattered around, but the MPSL is kind of like a fourth tier, fifth tier kind of division. Yeah. And it's not the kind of uh, professional league that you and I think of. It's a summer league where, like, some of these college players in the area will sign up to be a member of this team and they'll get to play during the summer. So it's just a a way for these guys to keep playing in a very kind of professional environment and just constantly, you know, traveling, playing games on the road, and you get, like, you know, pretty good turnout, especially at Asheville City. I mean, you get, like, a couple thousand, two thousand people at a game, and, like, that's, you know, that's a pretty good experience for these college guys. For sure, and then you get you get good games, too. Like, I, I know I, I can't speak that I've gone to every home game, but I think I've gone to three. All of those games have been very watchable. You know, it's not, like, very boring you know, you know, possession for possession's sake. It's like, you know, those teams, they want to go out there and they want to show people that they actually have quality. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's that, there's for some reason this, like, uh, I don't know what you would call it. There's this, like, this... Misconception? Uh, yeah, misconception that there's this lack of talent or, you know, progress within college soccer and these guys that come out there and play, but there's, like, some real hidden gems out there. And there's, like, you know, this debate will go on for you know, anyone who follows American soccer about, you know, going to the college route and getting drafted into the into MLS, but, you know, oh, they, these so guys... Whack. I mean, these guys come out and play, and, like, you know, they're they're the real deal, and they just need a place to really get exposure and get looked at, and the MPSL and teams like Chattanooga and Asheville City are good ways to get exposure out there and get playing time. Um, but, yeah, always, always a nice treat getting to go watch them. You know, and it's like, what, it's cheap, it's during the summertime... Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish there were games going on right now, but you know, support your local clubs. That's definitely a, a club that um, I'll support uh, even you know past when when I move out of here or when I live somewhere else. Uh, definitely gonna look back on that and say like, yes, yeah, you know, they, they were a nice little team that I could get behind. Yeah, man, I I love everything about Asheville City, and I hope them for the best. Maybe someday I can go back and work for the club, but we'll have to see. We'll see what their progression is gonna look like. Yeah, for sure. And then another quote unquote, I guess, local club would be um, a new one based out of Charlotte. Oh, yeah, and the new Charlotte MLS team that has yet to pick a name so far. But I think I can say pretty confidently for the both of us, we're going to be following this team pretty closely, especially maybe doing a little bit of reporting on this podcast about it. For sure. Yeah. Uh, newer teams in the MLS have, it's been proven that they have a rough go at it. Um, but, you know, uh, it's it'll they'll play uh, right where the Panthers play, the, the, the football team. And, um, you know, how are you not going to support uh, a club like that? You know, they, I mean, Charlotte also has the Charlotte Independence, which I honestly don't know where they fall again in, as far as, like, U.S. soccer goes. 
Yeah, they're in the USL Championship along with North Carolina Football Club, which is also based out of Raleigh Cary area. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, we'll have to see how this MLS team develops. I mean, they've already got an academy set up. They're going to start uh, competing in the new MLS academy system. Uh, oh. There's no name selected yet. We don't have. We don't even have a coach yet. They're still hiring positions out there. And they're going to be playing in a football stadium, which a lot of these teams have kind of gravitated away from. But um, it's nice that we finally have a team that's local, that's competing at a very high professional, high-quality level. And, you know... I can speak for the both of us from where we're at. It's like you had to pick teams that are just so far away from you. Because, like, I mean, Americans get this stereotype where it's like, oh, we only watch the the best teams so far away in the European leagues. But when you're in a place like North Carolina, your closest teams are, like, Atlanta, New York. Yeah, I mean, for sure. you get that very high-quality level of soccer, especially for, like, professional American soccer. Like, you have to really pick and yep. choose. Yeah, you have to travel. you're going to watch. I mean, like, for speaking for myself, I like to follow MLS as much as I can, but I followed the Timbers for a long time, and I, I'm never going to go to Portland. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I can't travel. I mean, like, that's halfway across the world at this point. I mean, it, it was fun to watch them, but it's just nice I can finally have a team that's local I can follow. Like, it's going to be – I'm very, very excited. Yeah, and no matter how they do, I, I'll definitely still support them. You know, and we will uh, definitely be reporting on them. Um, you know, whenever the whenever they get instated into the into the MLS and whenever they start their season. But like, uh, I think we can uh, definitely say we're going to be there at the first game. Oh yeah! Oh, that first game is going to be bumping. Uh, I'm very curious to see who we're going to play, but I guess we'll find out sooner rather than later. But kind of segueing into oh, go ahead. I, I'm just uh, just a quick point. I'm very curious to see what kind of crowd it's going to bring in. Cause yeah, I'm as well. You know the the Charlotte area isn't very well known for their sports. You know, usually our biggest stars go play somewhere else. Like Kemble Walker, you know, he went from the Hornets to the Celtics. Uh, I mean, most recently Cam Newton, we let him go. He's at New England now. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Charlotte hasn't been known as like a, a a very good sports area in general. You know, they have you know they have their um, they have a baseball team. They have a soccer team. They're going to have the MLS team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see what kind of crowd it brings in and if people, if the people of Charlotte will actually, like, accept the team. I, uh, I think they will. I think honest. they will. I think there's going to be a lot of Latinos there, which is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I think that's totally that's, fine. I think they're going to... You know, I think they're gonna be the main fan base, and that, if so, that's gonna be really fun to be at and and to be at games and you know, kind of have that vibe because there are the, I mean the Latino population in, in Charlotte is huge, so yeah. it'd be it'd be nice to see you know that kind of fan base driving you know the rest of them, picking up steam for the club. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just from my experiences with uh, Asheville City, and I've also worked with the Carolina Dynamo. Shout out to the Dynamo as well. Um, there's an untapped soccer market here in, in the Carolinas. I mean, it's the youth level of soccer here in North Carolina and South Carolina is huge. And it's been left untapped for so long. I mean, like, even just people that we know of, a lot of team, a lot of these people follow Premier League teams, you know, because they have no other choice to follow the Premier League or you just kind of pick an MLS team at random. But now 
people of the Carolinas have this team that they can, you know, build a fan base on. Maybe we can build a decent soccer culture, but, you know, we're going to know soon enough. Yeah, for sure. Super excited. The last couple little bits we're going to finish up is just kind of touch on, talk about some of the other leagues that we're going to try and uh, follow up on. Aside from, like, MLS, the Premier League, we're looking at Liga MX, probably La Liga, especially definitely Premier League. I personally like to follow the J-League. In Japan, shout out mm. to the, shout out to the Japanese boys. Okay, okay, um, okay. We're definitely following uh, the Bundesliga and any other leagues that are, you know, popping in Europe and South America and Central America. And I, I just want to try and report on as much as humanly possible because I cannot get enough of this game. Yeah, and that's that's definitely the message that we want to send out there. You know, like I know depending on where you live, you only get certain games broadcasted to you, but you know, hopefully, in showing you. Uh, you know, just thinking, I mean, Liga MX, like, <laughs> they're, the, the, the way they break down their season is just so far off from, like, what anyone else thinks of as, like, a normal soccer season, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. With and the just the way that they... And the apertura, right? Yeah, exactly. And just the way that those guys play, the energy that they bring, I love watching Liga MX soccer because it's, like, they can do whatever the fuck they want, and the ref is like, cool, yeah, that's fine. It's literally Most of like the time. raw emotion in yeah. physical contact. It's and wild. the fans and, and the noise that you get is just so much different than when you're watching, you know, Manchester City or United or Liverpool or even, you know, any anywhere else, Bundesliga. You know, it's just it's just a different set of fans, different set of players to report on. Um, if you would like us to cover any league that you think we should, just let us know, you know. Hop in our uh, DMs, and uh, we'll gladly search it, do our research, watch some games. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what we hope to achieve with this um, this podcast. Uh, this episode was more or less to introduce ourselves, to kind of prove that we kind of know what we're talking about, and we're not just some <laughs> idiots here trying to spit off facts about Man U and Man City. Yeah, man. Just uh, hit us up on Twitter, at 2Tackle. Shoot us in our DMs. Like we're open to talk to anybody out there. So, just want to take a second to appreciate y'all for listening and uh, have a good day. Yeah, appreciate it. Go like, subscribe, hit us up, and um, we'll see you next time.